0: Amen. If you have a uh, copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 35. We're going to continue our study on vision for 2014 and beyond here at River Bend. I want to read for you all of the chapters, 10 verses. I want us to key in, to focus in on two verses this morning. Verse number 2, And also verse number 10. As we look at uh, responding to God's worth. Isaiah chapter 35 verses 1 through 10 read as following. If you don't have a copy of God's word, the verses will be for uh, you. You can look up at the screen. Um, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Be strong. Fear not. Behold your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. The thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. The lion shall... Be the, no line shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall um, not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come designed with singing. Everlasting joy shall, come upon, shall be upon their heads and shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We have come together as leaders here in the church. We uh, came together as a staff and um, put together a number or five different areas or aspects for us to be about that we believe that God wanted us to not just do, but to be, to live out, and one of those was responding to God's worth. We wrote these couple of sentences, and I have copies, if you didn't get one last week, I have copies uh, for us this morning I'll give to you on the way out. But here's what it states. We, River Bend, the the body, the, the church, we are vibrantly responding in joy to who God is. What he's done and what he has said. Having experienced him and being enabled by the Holy Spirit, we worship both gathered as the body, like we are this morning, and also scattered in homes and individually. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, we live lives of worship to the only worthy one through prayer, reading of the word, giving singing, and serving. This morning, I want us to key in on two verses, verse number two and verse number 10. Let me read them for us. Again, it states this, it shall blossom abundantly. Speaking of the desert, it's speaking of the dry land. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice With joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Two points for us this morning as we look at responding to God's worth. The first is this that we will respond to God's worth because of who He is. Who is God? He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He is the one and only worthy of our worship and our praise. If you look at those two verses, verse 2 and verse 10, you see that... There is a huge shift, a huge contrast between those things that are wanting and those things that have everything that they could possibly want. And the reason for that huge shift is one person, one entity. And that entity is God. God changes a dry heart. To one that is over flooded with joy. God changes a desert that needs desperately water. That is dry and parched. And he is the one that brings the water. God is the one who opens those blinded eyes. He is the one who opens those deaf ears. He is the one that makes those lame legs. Those withered hands. To be able to work. It is God and you and I are to respond to his worth we are to worship him because of who he is I want to read for you uh, about three maybe four passages of scripture that speak to different attributes different characteristics different aspects of who God is and challenge us to respond to his worth Number one, because of who he is. Two passages in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 34. Let me read for you these verses. Some of them will be on the screen, some of them will not. I'll tell you what they are and you can write them down in your notes on the back of the bulletin if you would like. Exodus 3, 5 through 8. Exodus 3, 14 through 18. Here is Moses and the burning bush. Then he said, God, catch this. He said, do not come near. Take off your sandals. Take them off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse 14 then God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel I am, has sent you, excuse me, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to this people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel To gather and say to them, the Lord, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. Fast forward some 40 plus years. They are now out of Egypt and they are in the middle of the wilderness. And God once again describes himself to Moses and to the children of Israel. Exodus 34 verses 5 through 7. Here is the Lord describing himself to his people. He says this, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, Moses, And proclaimed the name of the Lord. So God is talking about himself to Moses. In verse 6, here's what he states. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who but who, will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? He has described himself as one who is merciful. He has described himself as one who is gracious, as one who is faithful, as one who is forgiving. Yet, at the same time, he has described himself as one who is just and righteous. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is walking amongst the seven lampstands and we have just looked at this in a couple of months ago as we were walking through this part of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, Revelation chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 state this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, this is John, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, his hair, the hairs of his head were white. Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks to the Father in verse number 12 who has qualified you to share in an inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent. If you go to the house and you open your copy of God's Word, page after page, passage after passage, book after book, will show and will tell examples just like these of who God is. He wrote this book for us to understand, to see who He is. He didn't write this book to give you all the answers to what's 477 million square root of 12. He didn't give that in this book. But what He did do in this book is He gave Himself. He said, here's who I am. If you want to know me, read it. This is my love letter to you. And page after page, he gave us attribute after attribute. Page after page, he gave us who he is. And you and I are to come and respond to his worth. Knowing who God is brings us to see who we are. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is Isaiah chapter 6. I love the passage because it hits me every time that I read it. Because in that passage, in Isaiah chapter 6, there is one who I find myself like so often. There there is one who has taken his focus off of God. There is one... The so-called man of God who is so anxious because the king has died in Israel. One that he has become well acquainted with. One that he has become friends with. One that he has spent time with. And his focus with his friendship and relationship with the king has deterred his relationship with the king of kings. And when the king, Uzziah, died, God Reminded Isaiah, the king's still on the throne. The one that you should be focused on, the one that you should be growing in your relationship with, in your fellowship with, is still in the same place. You're the one that left. So let me remind you, Isaiah, of who I am. And God pulls back the curtains there in heaven. In these verses. And he tells Isaiah. He shows Isaiah who he is once again. And one called to another. These are seraphim. These are angels. Angelic beings. And one called to another and said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook in the temple there in heaven. At the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw himself, excuse me, when Isaiah saw the Lord for who he is, it turned his attention on Isaiah, and Isaiah saw himself for who he is. Every time you read this book, every time I read this book, and it's not just, all right, so I can check it off for my day, but every time I read it, or every time you read it, to understand who God is. He will show you who He is. And as He shows you who He is, He'll show you who you are. And when He shows you who you are, might you and I, might we respond as Isaiah did. I am ruined. I live among a a people of unclean lips. I am a man of unclean lips. And I've seen the Lord. And I'm so grateful it doesn't stop there. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. God sends an angel to touch Isaiah's lips and to heal him. And then God sends Isaiah out on a mission. God says says to Isaiah, Who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. Send me. I, I want to respond. I want to respond of who you are. You have shown me who you are. You have shown me that you are holy, holy, holy. You have shown me that you are the great I am. You have shown me that you are the king on the throne. I want to respond to who you are. Oh, River Riverbend. When you and I see ourselves this in turn should drive you and drive me from the sin that you and I commit on a daily basis to the King. Jesus is the only Savior. Seeing Him and seeing attribute and characteristic and attribute and characteristic after attribute and characteristic throughout the Old and the New Testament should drive us to respond to who he is. Should drive us to respond to who he is when we meet here, and we sing songs, whether the lights are dim and nobody can see each other, or the lights are wide open, we should be singing. I sit up front. I'm going to let you in on a, on a secret, alright? I sit up front because half the time, and I don't know this, half the time I sing off key. But... I sing loud. Okay? Y'all, know, y'all may know that. Y'all may not. If I have my mic on by accident and they don't turn me off, y'all hear me and that's not a good thing. But, but I sit up front so that I can be right in that speaker so that I can sing. Okay, that's why I sit up front. But in honesty, it shouldn't matter if I sit here or back there in the back or anywhere else in this place because I shouldn't be worried about the people around me. I should be responding to the king. Because he's worthy of it. That's right. You're not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. And to be honest, I shouldn't worry about y'all. Sometimes I do, and I, I'm sorry, Lord. But he's worthy of it. And because he's worthy of it, men, you should open your voices. That's right. Women, you should open your voices. Because he's worthy of it, because he is You say, I'm off key. It doesn't matter. It says, make a joyful noise. Now, we don't want you on stage with a microphone. (laughs) We'll get there at a different message. (laughs) They don't give me a microphone to sing. I'm in the same boat as most of you. But it says, it is there for you and for me to respond to him. This past week I had the opportunity to uh, drive for about eight hours to Atlanta and back uh, the next day. And uh, as I drove there, I was just listening to music. And I was just singing. Because he's worthy. I'd stop singing for a while. I'd turn the the, uh, music down. It wasn't the radio. I'd turn the music down and, and I'd just pray for a while. Because he's worthy i turned turn it back up and i started start singing again. People in Atlanta thought I was crazy for a number of reasons because I'm from Mississippi and I can't drive but, but also because I, I was singing praises to the king because he's worthy. You're going to drive to Memphis this week. You're going to drive to South Haven this week. You're going to drive to Sinatobia, Batesville this week. You're going to drive to Tunica this week. You're going to drive around in Hernando this week. Why don't you worship Him? He's worthy. Respond to Him not only because of who He is, but second this morning, this teaches, these verses teach us in Isaiah chapter 35 and the other places throughout Scripture, it teaches us to respond to God not just because of who He is, but because of what He has done. Because of what He's done. You and I are to respond to God and to his worth in worship because of what he's done. You'll see some verses on the screen. I love these verses. Ephesians chapter 2. As I read it in just a second, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 6, I want you to think about yourself. Not often do pastors tell people to think about themselves, but I want you to think about yourself. And I want you to see what Paul and what God said to you about who you were and about what God did. And you put your name there. You were dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked You were dead following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You have a picture of yourself? He spoke in some generalities there in those three verses, but you and I know specifics. The specifics that we even carried out this week of how you and I walked in darkness, how you and I walked in disobedience in our attitudes, in our words toward one another, in our actions. Paul speaks of past tense before the folks in Ephesus were saved. I love verse 4. But, God, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You were walking in disobedience. You were dead to the spiritual realm. There was no life in you, in me at all. But God, being rich in his mercy, but God, because of the great love with which he loved you, loved me, loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, with Christ. And seated us, past tense, seated us with Him, with Christ, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You were dead. There was no life in you whatsoever. None. You say, Brian, I'm breathing, I'm walking around, I'm moving my hand, I'm looking, I'm talking, spiritually speaking. You were dead. There was no life in you whatsoever. But God, because of how much he loved you, acted on your behalf. And he breathed life into you. Oh, Ephesians. Paul would say, oh, Ephesians. Because of what God has done, respond to him in worship. Oh, River Bend, because what God has done. Oh, sir, oh, ma'am, because of what God has done. Respond to him in worship. God made you alive. God brought life out of death in you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated or God shows his love. For you. For you. He shows his love for you. That while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet an enemy against him, while you were going 180 degrees away from what he wants for you, and you were doing it at breaknecking speed, he says, I love you. He demonstrated that love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sir, today he loves you. He loves you. He loves you, and he has given his very best for you, for me. He has given his very best for us. That we might come to know Him. And after we come to know Him, as in salvation, as in being justified, as in changing our eternities. From that of being an enemy against Him and going as fast as we possibly can to hell. To going to heaven and being a son, a saint. But also, he demonstrated that love for us in that Monday, 2 o'clock. I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow at 2 o'clock. For that matter, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow at 2 o'clock. But for 2 o'clock tomorrow, he demonstrated his love towards you. That Christ died for you so that you and I might respond to him at 2 o'clock on Monday. And worship to Him. And 2 o'clock in the morning. And 2 o'clock on Tuesday. And Wednesday. And Thursday. And so on. He demonstrated His love. So that your every breath and my every breath would be a response of His worth. And of His action. You say, Brian, I get that. But I'm not there. We're all a work in progress. We're all on this journey. We want to help you. We want to help you not just when we're gathered. We want to help you as you are about your week. In a seat back, that seat that you might have sat in or right beside you, there is a bookmark. It's something that we stole. I meant we borrowed. We did ask permission from the one we borrowed it. But we borrowed it and uh, printed them out. And all it is, it's a tool. It's it's a tool when you go this week and you open God's Word and you say, All right, Lord, I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. Would you please use this time? I I don't want it just to be something I check on the box. I want to grow. There's preparation, observation, interpretation, and application. Four parts. And as you read a passage, just observe. You've prepared. You've asked God, all right, Lord, speak to me. I don't want this just to be a waste of time. I want you to speak. I want you to show yourself. I want you to show me who I am, who you are. Speak during this time. Read the passage. Look at some interpretation and some questions, some points there. And then on the back, some application and some questions that you can ask of each verse. You say, all right, Brian, is that the golden nugget? It's, it's not. It's a tool to help you, enable you to look at God's Word. Some passages, it is just right there, straightforward. Some passages, you've got to dig. That's all it is to it. You're men, you're women. It's okay. Dig some. This is a tool so that you and I can respond to who God is each and every day individually. We're here for you. We want to see you grow. We want to grow. I told you last week the only way that River Bend grows and that we are healthy is if you, individuals, me as an individual, is healthy. And how we're healthy is we're growing. The invitation this morning, we're going to sing a few songs, a couple of songs. To give you an opportunity, give me an opportunity to respond to his worth of who he is. To respond again afresh, anew for what he has done for you. Heavenly Father, I bow and I pray. God, that as we have come to this place, Lord, you have brought us here. You've brought us here for a reason. Father, we have connected with old friends, some that we haven't seen in some time, some that we had not seen since last week or even last year. Father, you have brought us here for more than that. God, you have brought us here to meet with you. Father as we come to this time of invitation would you speak to our hearts Father would you draw us close to you would we see how great you are in splendor in majesty in honor in glory in might would we be reminded of what you have done for us Father, would it draw us closer to the only one who is worthy of worship. Lord, I stated it to the men this morning in our men's group. But I am reminded of it again. Solomon chased after everything. Everything. He chased after money. He chased after work, he chased after family, he chased after pleasure, he chased after entertainment. God, he chased after everything. Father, he finally came back to you and I'm so grateful that he came back to you. I'm so grateful that he wrote these words that he said everything else is chasing after the wind. It is vanity upon vanity. Father, oftentimes I'm stubborn and I'm hard-headed that I have to go through something myself and I can't just learn from somebody else. There are others that are here like that. But Father, would we heed Solomon's life and his wisdom? And would we come back to you this moment? Would you stand and would you sing and would you respond and worship to the king if you need to speak with me i'll be more than happy to talk with you pray with you the altar is open we want you to obey this morning